You've worked hard for what you have, your money, your assets, your 401k and home. Isn't it all worth protecting? Nearly one in four consumers have been a victim of identity theft. LifeLock Ultimate Plus helps protect your finances with up to $3 million in reimbursement. LifeLock alerts you to identity threats you might miss. And if your identity is stolen, your dedicated U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. Let LifeLock help protect what you've worked so hard for. Save 25% off your first year on LifeLock Ultimate Plus at LifeLock.com slash aware. Terms apply. Talk Recorded live. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Big and Free podcast for people who like a glass of wine. Sit back, relax, pour out a glass of your favorite wine, and join our host, Mr. Dave A.C., for the next hour, while we enjoy some nice wine. man who likes a good glass of red wine, your host, Mr. Dave A.C. Oh, yes, indeed. It's me. I'm here. Welcome, everybody. Welcome to episode 125 of the Big and Fruity Wine podcast, done live, as always, on the TalkShoe site. TalkShoe is a site that offers uh, people a chance to do uh, uh, live shows where people can actually call in. Yes, you, listener, can call in. You can come in and talk in text, in text chat, without using a microphone. Or you can come in and call using the phone number, which is uh, 724-444-7444. That's a U.S. number from the Pittsburgh area. If you've got credit on Skype out, uh, credit on Skype, should say, or Skype out, you can also phone that number, remember, with the American or U.S. prefix, and, of course, if you're using a computer, you can use some sort of SIP client, and that's um, at 66.212.134.192. And the call ID is double one double two seven two. And we start live at 5 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on every Tuesday of the week. And for you people like myself that are in the UK, that is 10 p.m. And as always, the format is uh, that we'll run with just me in the room as I am currently uh, for about 35-40 minutes. May extend longer if we get somebody in the room uh, either just text chatting and listening along or indeed who comes on audio with us. Well, today's topic, uh, I try and throw a little bit of a, a sort of a question mark into the titles if I possibly can. And this is Wine, No Wine and Sherry. Yes, we've talked about Sherry before, but there's a little article that uh, I wanted to just refer back to. Uh, wine, of course, I will be drinking wine. No wine, well, that refers to two things, in fact. It refers to some news items that will be our facts uh, for today, which is to do with yet more advice about alcohol drinking and uh, particularly in this case, uh, pregnant ladies, our ladies are thinking of becoming pregnant. Uh, but it also, no wine, uh, equates to perhaps what is happening between wine and no wine, and that is there are many people that spent a dry January. Yes, today's date is Tuesday the 4th of February. So for some people, it's been a, an end of a sort of a fasting period, a cutting down period, 
And indeed, you may have listened, if you listened back to some of the earlier episodes, that I stated that, um, unfortunately, <laughs> not <laughs> not by any altruistic plan on my part, but I'd been quite ill uh, in the new year. It wasn't anything eat, eaten. It wasn't anything I'd drunk. I think I'd caught something going around the supermarkets and all the people with coughs and sneezes who couldn't stay at home and had to go out and therefore blessed other people with their illness. And I was certainly blessed, well and truly blessed. Uh, basically, for the first two weeks of January, I think I ate one bottle of wine. And I'm not even sure that I actually finished that. Um, although I could have done, my taste buds were really off. Well, perhaps you didn't want to know all that, but it's background to the fact that, um, yes, January's over. And uh, one of the things I said I referred to is um, this uh, item, of course, that people... Uh, do tend to make this effort to not drink over January. And there was an article I got in my newspaper in the middle of the month, but I um, I said that I'd, I'd leave the actual item to talk about until um, till January's over. And I could then include into it uh, my own experience. And my own experience is um, rather, well, fortuitous. That's the word I'm going to look. I always like to look on the bright side. There's always a silver lining. Um, I'm not really back up to my, I was going to say modest, but let's say, um, and I certainly wouldn't say I was a heavy drinker, but I've certainly not gone back to my pre-January quantities of wine, which were probably getting towards, say, 10 bottles of wine a month, maybe maybe 11, I don't know, but uh, two to three, maybe nearer to three than two bottles a week. And I'm probably at the moment barely drinking two bottles of wine a week, always on a Tuesday. And then I'm tending to find that um, when I would have two bottles over the weekend, um, that would be Friday, finish it off on Saturday, maybe open the second bottle on the Saturday to then finish off on the Sunday. I'm finding that I'm actually opening the bottle later on the Friday, because I go into a call on Torture called the Trivia Quiz. So I tend, if I have a wine, to open it now much later in the evening on the Friday, maybe not opening it till, well, certainly not having the first drink till 10 in the evening, and then saving at least a third of that bottle after Saturday over into Sunday. So my experience at the moment is that uh, my uh, level of consumption is lower. No doubt as we get towards... Easter and towards the spring, my levels will uh, will will go back to their historic level. But at the moment, I can say that I am enjoying a little bit of a, a relaxation, a little bit of a, a step back. Okay, the article that I mentioned is that um, during the week, uh, they must have sold out of my normal Sunday Times paper, and I got delivered the Sunday Telegraph, which again, by happenstance, and to have a nice little article relating to this January business. It's Jake Wallace Simpson, um, totally on top of this teetotalism. That's the title. And this is on the Sunday paper, The Telegraph, for January the 12th. And uh, let me just read a tiny bit of this. Um, Frankly, I can't see what all the fuss is about. It has been 12 days now, and I'm not craving booze in the slightest. Come to think of it, I don't know how many days it had been. I had to look at the calendar to work it out. Nope, I don't come home and think from work and think, 
heck, I could just do with a nice cold and I don't sit into the night sipping a small glass of orange juice gazing longly into my whiskey cabinet. I don't accelerate as I walk past a pub in order to avoid temptation. I am most certainly not in denial. And that's just the opening paragraph of this rather long item. Let me see if I can just pick out a little bit towards the end. Oh yes, a little bit, let's have the health bit near the end. A dry cohort of mine showed a statistically and clinically significant improvement in terms of their level of liver fat, which reduced by the staggering 15 to 20% blood glucose and cholesterol. On average, they'd also lost a kilogram of weight, and that was for them giving up continuing to drink. I think that was for over one month. So there's no doubt about it that um, a short stay of abstinence may well be of beneficial uh, nature health-wise. And of course, um, it may indeed reinvigorate your taste buds as well. And I think that's the one thing that uh, mine was slightly different with the illness that have affected those. So that's that. We've got two other things about newspapers. But before that, I think I ought to dive into my wine now. Uh, yes, as always, I have a wine to hand. And um, this wine is from Morrison's, as was last week. Oh, and there's a, a point I must just mention. Uh, last week, I um, had um, Morrison's Fair Trade Cabernet Sauvignon Shiraz from South Africa, a nominally priced wine at £10, or 9.99, so that's a $15 wine, reduced to 4.99. Uh, that's normally, what, $7, uh, 14% alcohol. And I said that it had a slight bitter edge. It, it was oaky, but the oakiness was verging on a slight um, unpleasant bitterness. Well, I must admit, and I said that uh, far from it being worth the, the top price of 9.99, it was barely really uh, worth the 4.99. And I would have not been surprised if it had been on sale at 3.99. Well, I can temper that um, thing by saying that, again, because of this reduced level, I actually drank it on the next night. And again, uh, it, it had calmed down a little bit. A little bit of the roughness had come off. It had smoothed out a little bit, mellowed out somewhat. And so in actual fact, I ended up drinking a good half of the bottle on the second night. Um, and I must admit, um, it had... Um, you could argue it had lost uh, any um, distinction, it had lost any um, uh, character, but it certainly was more palatable. Not necessarily it was expensive, but when I would just say, if you have the Morrison's Fairtrade Cabernet Sauvignon Shiraz, if you can get it at the reduced price, okay. Secondly, you'll probably find it tastes uh, better and more balanced on the second evening. However, I'm much more hopeful of today's wine because I had it uh, a number of weeks ago, not on this call, but I had it um, uh, just as a general drink that I bought to, to, to enjoy myself. And let me read what that is, and then we'll go with the links in the room. It's another wine from Morrison's. It's Flagstone, another South African wine. Uh, this one is not reduced. It was 8 that's £9, that's $14. It's their Cheetah Reserve Cabernet Sauvignon 2012. Um, and um, 
well, let's have a little smell. It's been poured out. I've been extra careful, by the way. It's been poured out well over an hour. In fact, uh, well, uh, an hour, nearly an hour and 20 minutes, in fact, now. Let me have a little sniff. And we've actually got a really good dark fruit on the nose. And uh, there's almost a slight chocolate, not a coffee edge, but a slight mocha on the nose. Hmm. Let's take it lovely dark burgundy red colour. Let's have a go. Hmm. Well, the Cabernet Sauvignon is certainly delivering on dark blackcurrant fruit there. My mouth is absolutely... Oh, that is beautiful. Lovely mouthfeel, slight neatness, and it's got what I call a, a definite meaty feel to it. It's, it's one of these wines that you almost chew in your mouth. I know people who don't drink wine find that a very difficult to concept to get around, but it has got a lovely mouthfeel. It's uh, slightly viscous, and it's got... Mm, it's got... Uh, we've got chocolate. What else have we got? We've... Definitely got uh, some um, stru Italian structure in there. Got a lovely long finish. But there's absolutely bags of dark fruit in here. Let's have a, another taste. This is delicious. That's that's very very nice indeed. So let me put the the name in the room. So it's. Uh, it's a flagstone wine from South Africa. It's their Cheetah Reserve Cabernet Sauvignon, South Africa, 2012. And the image, um, let me find the image. Remember, I put this in Twitter. And it's a rather long one to read out, but I shall attempt to do it. Remember, there's a long string of numbers in here. It's twitter.com forward slash big and fruity forward slash status forward slash Four three zero eight double one nine four zero double seven two seven eight six one seven eight forward slash photo forward slash one. Well, the easiest way to find that probably if you're in the next day or two as I record this is if you're on Twitter, maybe you consider um, following Big and Fruity. That's Big and Fruity all in one word. And you'll see the tweets there, and uh, you'll see the picture of the wine. And um, it's also got a, a little, what looks like a, a medal badge on it, but it's actually got the Tree Cheetah Outreach Trust. Part proceeds donated to the Cheetah Outstretch uh, um, Trust. On the back, let's see what it says about the actual wine itself. Classic hues of summer fruits, mint and chocolate in Tyson O's. A rewarding mouthfeel, absolutely. It's complemented by flavours of cherry, cassis and wild mint. Perfectly grass-fed grass -fed rump steak served with Yorkshire pudding or a wild mushroom risotto. Enjoy. That's by Bruce Jack, the founder of Flagstone Wines. And the winemaker himself is um, uh, Gerard Stuart. That's Stuart spelled S-T-A-R-T, no U. 
trust your taste badge it says um and uh, actually i'm gonna have another sip this is rather nice it's nice to have a, a pleasant wine let me see if i can get the little morrison's link up yeah we've um, got the morrison's link here and i'll put that in the room and it's um it's www.morrisoncellar.com and then you'll have to look up their wines. Um, and it's got four out of five stars, only one customer rating. What the Aussies call a barbie, the South Africans call a braai, and that's to reach for a bottle of this Cabernet Sauvignon. There's a rich chocolatey vibe running. Oh, I got the chocolatey, didn't catch the mint so much, through the Cabernet Sav. There's a, uh, a flavours that's fab with pork sausages or an earthy mushroom Shiraz. Um, uh, screw cap, by the way, and uh, uh, 10.5 units if you were to drink the whole lot. And uh, Joe 90 has put a wine worth the money. Um, and that was uh, just, uh, just Christmas Eve he put that up. So he must have liked it if he took the trouble to do that on Christmas Eve. So that's the link put in there. Uh, there's another little uh, link and recommendation here. And this is uh, from a site called uh, What's the Best Wine? So it's www.whatsthebestwine.com. And that's all one word, of course. And it uh, looks a nice little site here. I must explore it a little bit more. It's got wines under five pounds. It's UK prices here. Wines under five pounds, wine under 10 pounds. Wines under £15, wines under 20 wines over 20 deals and blog. And at um, 8 is of course, in wines under £10. And it says, let me see what it says here, so I can read that out for you. It says, Lap up this bold, white, uh, sorry, <laughs> ripe, Sweet currant and raisin laden, oak chipped, fourteen percent cabernet, and that's Jane McQuitty uh, for the Times, and that was posted on the twenty fifth of January two thousand and fourteen. So that's pretty recent. And um, let's see. There we go. Uh, so I'm going to move that. Let's get that out of the way. And uh, I think we've got one more page we want to talk a little bit about the wine, and that's Flagstone Wines themselves. Um, because there was one slight issue. Um, that's um, no www, it's just flagstonewines, all one word, dot com. Um, I was looking at the wines that they've got there. Uh, they've got a list of their wines, and um, they don't actually list this wine. Now, it may well be that this is a special one, that they sell exclusively to Morrison's, which would be a possibility. Uh, but I did notice at the top, I've definitely had some of their other wines. I think I think I've had their writer's block uh, wine, uh, which is their um, uh, writer's block Pinotage, South African signature wine variety. Um, but... Um, let me just have a look at what it says here. Um, yes, on their red wines, they've got uh, Dark Horse, um, uh, which is a Shiraz. 
Dragon Tree, um, which is, I think it's a blended wine, Longitude, Music Room, Poetry Merlot, Writer's Block, and then they've got white wine. So that's, um, and they've got a list of all the different awards they've won. So Flagstone Wines of South Africa, uh, uh, a nice little wine for you to try. And again, there's a lot of information there. They've got a, a blog and so on. If you go and look, they don't name the cheetah, but they have got a link to this outreach um, reserve thing that they're talking about. So let me put the link into the room for that. And that is flagstonewines.com forward slash, and this is with dashes in between, the dash cheetah dash outreach dash trust. And it just mentions, I'll briefly just mention a little bit of this, um, Flagstone is very proud to sponsor Cheetah Outreach Trust in South Africa. Part of the proceeds from every bottle of Flagstone Cheetah Reserve Chardonnay and Cheetah and Cabernet Sauvignon sold is donated to this worthy cause. So you can read a little bit about that. Flagstonewines.com forward slash the Cheetah Outreach Trust Fund. Okay. And... um, Again, um, they've got uh, also one more link I'll, I'll mention for them, and that is uh, I will spend a little bit more wine, time on the wine if I like it. Although I must admit I sometimes spend more time on the wine if I particularly don't like it. But this is their top 100 South African wines for 2013 um, uh, Flagstone, and this is flagstonewines.com forward slash blog forward slash top 100 South SA wines 2013 flagstone so an awful lot there to get your uh, teeth into and i'm just gonna get my teeth into this one because it's very very meaty in the mouth i wish i was picking that mint up maybe a little bit on the nose but i don't know whether that's sort of auto suggestion now that I'm uh, getting that. Okay, um, right, we've got some news and then we've, we will get to the sherry bit, which I'm not going to spend a long time on it. I was hoping your Vic might be in here because it uh, actually supports everything he was saying when he did that uh, episode for us, when he gave us some really good information about uh, sherry. And uh, let me just very quickly see if I can remember which episode that was that we talked about that, that he came on and talked about that. Oh, it's a few weeks back now. Um, It might have been uh, just before Christmas, I think it was. Yes, I think it was just before Christmas uh, when he came and talked to us and gave us some, there it was, Wines and Sherry. Actually, it was Tuesday, the 10th of December, episode 117. So when you listen later, you listen back to that later, You'll see that uh, what uh, Jorvik said was um, on the money, as it were. Okay, right. Well, I'm just going to read the the sort of facts for today, which is a news item, which again, I'm afraid is health. And this again relates to my Sunday papers rather than online. So they're not sites for you to look up. Uh, First one is um, uh, from the, um, the Sunday Times for the Sunday that's just gone, February the 2nd. Um, in fact, looking at the time, where are we? 20, I might just read this one because, um, well, uh, 
let's see what, how we go. I'm only going to read part of it, of course, not going to read the whole article. That would be wrong. This is Sarah Kate Templeton. Um, and this article continues on to page four, but it's on the um, the Sunday Times main page here. Women who damage their unborn babies by drinking alcohol during pregnancy could be guilty of a criminal act if an unprecedented legal test case is successful. Now, this is reminds me a little bit about this idea of uh, you know smoking in cars when you've got children in the cars and so on. The, the trouble with things like this, before I read any more, is not whether it's a good thing or not in that sense, but it, it becomes a point where basically every decision you make is a government-led decision. And the more and more, it's a little bit like uh, the law. And this is me, sorry, these are personal opinions now. If you have a law which is outlined in sort of, you know, freedom, liberty and all these kind of things, uh, or you have a law where every T is, every dot and every I and every T is crossed. The trouble with every dot and I, T crossed, somebody can say, if they did something, well, the government didn't tell me it was wrong, so I thought it was all right. It, it, it sort of transfers the the the, the parenting from the from the from the father and mother and the family unit to the state. So that's all I'll say because I might get upset people. But if successful, this case could have far-reaching implications. Lawyers acting for the council are presenting uh, 800 children nationally who suffered physical and mental damage from their mothers drinking alcohol while pregnant. There again, you see. It may well be that these people were absolutely drinking absolutely lethal amounts of alcohol almost, and yet would you apply the same thing to a woman who during a pregnancy might once or twice a month have a glass of wine uh, at a restaurant? Uh, very, very difficult. Um, uh, this case argues that the mother criminally, criminally poisoned her unborn child because it's evident that she was ah, she was warned of the risk if she continued to drink. So I suppose that was after she had been warned by a doctor. So that's another element to it. And the other item that uh, touches on this again, I'm going to be very brief. This is from the 26th of the Sunday Times. So that's the previous Sunday. Uh, and again, just read a little bit. Up to 7,000 damaged babies born to mothers who drink. Up to 7,000 babies a year in Britain are born damaged because of their mothers drank alcohol during pregnancy. And I think that's wrong almost. Drink presumably um, quite, uh, you know, not trace amounts of alcohol, but presumably drank regularly, I suppose that means. Pediatricians and psychiatrists estimate that up to 1% of babies suffer damage such as learning disabilities as a result of being exposed to alcohol in the womb. Uh, and especially, I think, this is at the early stage of the pregnancy. Um, uh, Neil Alton, uh, consultant paediatrician, said, if it is a choice between a drink, a smoke, or a spliff, I don't know why they've included that in it, don't drink would be my recommendation. We have firm evidence that drinking alcohol regularly is, again, regularly is damaging. 
And there's an awful lot more there. And I'm sure if you go on the internet, you'll find a lot about that. So, again, just showing you how much uh, these things that you think are just personal choices uh, can have impact far beyond your own particular health. Um, I would... Well, I'm not going to comment any more than just saying I'm making you aware that that is something that um, is, is is back in the, the the cultural limelight and legal limelight at the moment. So we're at almost 28 minutes now. Let's talk a little bit. We've talked wine. We've talked no wine. Uh, let's just return a little bit to Sherry. And the reason for turning a little bit to Sherry was that um, here in the UK, um, there's a program that I've referred to before, uh, actually called Great Railway Journeys, where... Um, in actual fact, I think I, I played a bit when he was um, in Germany um, um, on this call, and um, the the pro <laughs> the program is Michael Michael Portello on train units, done it around the UK, and now he's on the Great Continental Journeys. And uh, episode two of series two, um, he's in Spain, uh, but I did a little bit about Germany before, um, and. Um, he goes to the um, uh, a particular area, and I probably pronounce it wrong, but luckily he pronounces it for me in a very very short clip I've got. This is uh, well, let him let me let me play the clip, and you'll see what I mean. Uh, Michael Portillo's father was from Spain, so I, I'm not sure if he's got dual citizenship, but he can speak Spanish. And uh, this is when he's down in the uh, Sherry capital of Spain. So let's just listen to this. Uh, two-minute clip or so out of this uh, program. Here we go. The next stop on my journey will be Jerez de la Frontera, the sherry capital of the world, thanks to the town's perfect conditions for growing the Palomino grape. Jerez's success and the British love affair with sherry all started with a military incident. In 1587, Sir Francis Drake made a daring raid on the Spanish fleet. His triumphal return from Spain included a cargo of 2,900 butts of sherry. His liquid spoils of war were instantly popular. In 1855, British businessman Robert Byas joined forces with Manuel González, and their sherry empire started with the production of seven and a half hectares of vineyards. Today, it's his great-great-grandson and my friend Gonzalo del Rio who is a leading light at Gonzalez Bias. Is there any connection between Cherry and trains? Yes, a lot. Going down to the port? This is going down to Puerto Santa Maria. And it was a way to, to try and transport the barrels of wine uh, in a faster way and in a better way. Mm -hmm. And the founder of this company, my great-great-grandfather, he financed all that project. So he was very forward-looking? Yeah, and you used to go all the way through the different cellars of the winery to fetch the, the barrels of wine. Sherry is produced in a variety of styles, from the driest and palest Fino to the darkest and smoothest Oloroso. Probably the oldest brand is Tio Pepe. Jose Arudo, Michael Portillo. How did you do? He's going to give us a glass of Tio Pepe. At last, I thought you'd uh, never ask. Now, Gonzalo, how do we drink sherry? Well, in England, very badly. <laughs> no, we've failed in that. It's not your fault. It's our fault. We, d we haven't shown people how to drink sherry properly. Two different ways. In one way, because 
uh, they don't have it cold. Mm. And in the second wave, they open it uh, on Sunday lunch, and after three months, they go back to it. And uh, a bottle of wine should be drank immediately. Bad thing to do. Sherry doesn't last that long, no? No. No. This is alive. So, two easy rules. Drink it cold and drink it fast. Which is exactly <clears throat> what Jorvik was saying when he did that little show for us on the... Uh, episode two, uh, 117. Uh, so well done to you, Jorvik. Um, yeah, I, I'm not going to recap all that. But I'm just going to direct you back to that episode. Uh, but I put in a link to the, to where this area of Spain is. Of course, he's going down Spain towards... He ends up in Gibraltar in this... Uh, so we're right down at the, towards the southern part of Spain. And uh, I'm going to put in the room, the uh, link to the wiki page of the um, the grape variety there, the Palomino grape. And this is uh, wikipedia.org forward slash wiki uh, pal- uh, forward slash Palomino underscore grape. And um, it, it, it explains why this uh, grape is, is, is used there a little bit. And... Um, one other link is the uh, Wikipedia, uh, wikipedia.org forward slash uh, wiki forward slash sherry. And we've referred to that before. But again, it, it, it has there that lovely bit about, um, he mentioned the, the dry one being the fino, or fine in Spanish, is the driest and the paling, palest of the traditional varieties of sherry. Uh, the wine is aged in barrels under a, a cap uh, of floor yeast, to prevent contact with air. And then we go all the way towards uh, cream at the bottom, which is a common type of sweet sherry made by blending different wines, such as Oloroso, sweetened with PX. So um, there's a lot of information there. And um, it also tells you about the alcoholic content. Uh, Sherry's not actually much stronger than wine. Uh, You heard me say, if you remember that far back, that the wine I'm drinking today is 14%. Uh, most of these, the Fino is 15 to 17%, Montelado 16 to 17%, Oloroso Candy up to 22%, Pale Cream up to 22%. In fact, 22% is about the highest, but most of it's probably about 17 or 18%. So uh, it was reinforcing what it said drink it slightly chilled. That doesn't mean straight out of the fridge, but chilled. Uh, you drink it. Uh, and you don't keep it, so maybe a week, ten days, I think, at the maximum was said. And, and I, did, I didn't want to play any longer clip than that, but Michael talks about uh, going to his aunties, where he'd go to his aunties uh, uh, to visit them uh, when he was sort of, you know, student days, I suppose. Uh, by that, I mean university, so old enough to drink, and they'd have a little sherry, and then at the end of term, he'd go back again and they'd offer him another sherry and it would be from the same bottle and it had been standing on a uh, in a decanter in the in the dining room. And um, although it won't go off, it certainly won't taste anywhere as well as it should do, I intended to, by the winemaker. And if you're in the UK, let me just tell you that the um, the Great Continental Wine Journey um, Series 2 is, is being... I think it's re-shown on BBC Two. I put the BBC link in the room there. But if you go to BBC Two um, uh, and look for Great Continental Railway Journeys, um, this one he ended uh, at the Rock of Gibraltar and, and learning some information that's just been uh, released after these official secret acts 
uh, about a, a hidden cave that um, that they had in the rock for for observing should the island be taken over during the Second World War. So lots of things there, and it's a nice little uh, program. So I actually think I'm going to bring today's call to an end. I want to get back to my mind. I, I really can recommend this. Uh, so Morrisons have uh, re-established themselves as a, a good purveyor of wines to me. Flagstone, South Africa, the Cheetah uh, Reserve. I've got a feeling that writer's block was even better than I drank. But um, uh, they they obviously got a nice range of wines. So as we hit the 36-minute mark, I'm going to find my uh, uh, jazz uh, that's Podsafe Music Outro. I say thank you ever so much for listening. This is Dave AC. I'll be back for episode 126. The topic has not yet been set for that, but hopefully it will be interesting enough to entice you back either live or to listen. Oh, and there was one other thing I wanted to say. If you've been listening to uh, this show from one of the different podcast directories, indeed in particular from Player FM, um, they weren't updating the fees. They were like four or five episodes behind. Uh, I contacted them and their support guys there, well done, uh, Player FM. Uh, they immediately uh, uh, got uh, the uh, the feed updated and got back to me straight away. So thank you very much indeed for that. And um, if I can just very quickly um, remember the name... Um, Let me see where it is. I'm not sure I'm going to get that. Oh, where has it gone? Okay, I'm sorry, I can't. I wanted to actually mention the name, but there's so many emails in my little page here. Um, Why is it there? Anyway, thank you very much indeed to uh, Player FM for sorting out that issue so quickly. So with that, uh, thank you for listening, and uh, we'll be back to do it all again next week. Bye for now.